Welcome to Life in the Cloud, the official podcast of Tuple Technologies. Join us each week to hear from experts in cloud migration and IT management as we talk about the latest technologies and trends in cloud and other exciting new developments in tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Life in the Cloud. I'm your host, Chris Reddy, and today I'm joined by Nazgul from Cherry Road Technologies. Nazgul, I'm going to ask you all about Cherry Road Technologies in just a second. But first, thank you for being here. And I want to hear more about you as a person. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yes, of course. Well, hello, and thank you for having me. So I have been working with ERP and Oracle solutions for the past 21 years, pretty much straight out of college. It was really my first job out of college. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I had kind of a mix of humanities and science background. And when I was looking at different opportunities and jobs, you know, working in the space was one of the interviews and jobs that I was working towards. And it just seemed like it was a really good fit. And I've been doing it ever since. Most of the time, most of my career has been in the public sector. So out of the 21 years, I think 17, 18 years in public sector, I started as a functional consultant. So doing the actual configuration, business process re-engineering, I work both on the HCM side and the finance side. And then eventually have gotten into project management and have been doing that for probably the last 15 years. So I've worked with on-premise solutions and now with cloud mostly. Definitely. That's uh, interesting. You mentioned you have a humanities background. How did you go from that background into the world of tech? You know, how how did you learn how to code and, and all that stuff? Yes, yeah, so it's an interesting story. I mean, I think the world was a little bit different back then. The economy was booming, you know, when I graduated. I went to a university where it didn't have a core curriculum. So you could take any courses that you wanted. So I was pretty lucky. I took a lot of different classes. I was pre-med at the time. So a lot of analytical science classes. But then I just took a lot of humanities that I really enjoyed as well. I majored in comparative literature and Hispanic studies. I speak multiple languages. And, you know, I just thought it was kind of fun contrast with my, you know, chemistry and physics and all of those other classes. And then when I graduated, I thought, you know, I really don't think I want to go into medicine. What else can I do? And I just started applying for different jobs that I thought would be interesting. I really didn't know or have a vision of what would be a good fit for me. So I just applied for different opportunities through my university looking at things that I thought were interesting and cities that I thought were interesting and just did like tons of different interviews at kind of like all different types of companies. And I interviewed at a startup company in Cambridge. It was started by two Harvard alums and they recruited mostly from like the Ivy League schools. So it was a small, small startup. I think when I joined, I was maybe number 15 or something like that. But it was really smart, ambitious, hardworking, you know, kids really at that point. And it just seemed really interesting. It seemed like a good fit for me and just came really easily to me. And so I started working and my first client with them was a financial global organization in Boston. And we were doing support for them. So they had offices in Boston, in London, in Singapore, and in Japan. And so whenever the users would have issues, they would call us and we would resolve those issues. And it was the best way to learn the system because when you're trying to figure out 
what someone did because a lot of times they're like, oh, this doesn't work. I don't know what I did. I did everything perfectly, but it doesn't work. There's something wrong with the system. And usually that's not the case, right? It's like you did something. You might not know you did something wrong, but you did something wrong. The system doesn't like randomly automatically work differently. And so just trying to figure out what they did to come up to that problem and then come up with a solution was really the way I got my hands in and really learned the system and learned, you know, multiple modules. I mean, I wasn't like an expert in every single one, but I was able to figure it out. And I just, I think once you're able to get in there and figure out how these ERP systems work and, you know, how the data flows between the modules, then it just becomes easy. And so that's kind of what started it. And I just went on to other clients and learned other modules and became certified. I had to take some Java certifications to learn how to program. It's definitely not my strong suit. I mean, back in the day when I worked with PeopleSoft, I did all of the training and became, you know, people, the technology certified. So I understood all of that, but I was never a technical person. I mean, I knew enough to be able to do things if I really needed to, but more for, for the design and understanding kind of the solution. So I always geared towards the functional side and then the management side, but I, you know, understand a little bit of the technology. Mm -hmm. Certainly. That's a interesting story. It, it kind of just evolved over time. That, that's cool. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that a lot of people think that if you work in technology, you have to be a programmer or you have to think that way. And of course, there are certain jobs and things that we do that you do have to have that skill set and you do have to have that knowledge. But I think a lot of it is also, especially on the functional side and project management side is a different skill set. But on the functional side, it's really about communication, understanding people's requirements, you know, really understanding what their pain points are, what they want and how to transform that. You, you have to understand the technology that you're implementing, but that's really only a fraction of, I think, what we do. It's really process of change, which is really hard for them to a lot of clients to understand really what their future is going to look like. And also, you know, to translate what someone really wants, what their requirements are into a solution and technology. I think looking at someone's requirements doesn't necessarily mean that you understand what it is, that, what they want and what are their pain points. So I think it's a lot of communication, customer relationship, that building of a trust and that relationship, which I think comes with any kind of background. And, I, and humanities also helped. I did a lot of writing and communication. So I think that kind of helped me. Definitely. I would imagine, especially with your humanities background, it seemed pretty wide ranging, a little bit in chemistry, a little bit in physics and mm -hmm. in English and so on. So I imagine that multidisciplinary mindset, if you will, has helped you, you know, working with various teams, working with various technologies and so on. How has that humanities background helped you? So I think it's helped me in a lot of different ways. I mean, I don't know if it's my humanities background or just, you know, my personality. I'm a very good multitasker. And so that helps a lot, especially when you have multiple teams or multiple projects going on at the same time. But I think for the most part, I mean, communication is really the key, especially between the people who are the really in-depth te technology people that really function and think that way. A lot of times 
having them, you know, translating what the client is saying to them and then having that translated back to the client. Being kind of that liaison between the work that's happening and the client's leads and making sure they're really aware of what's happening, they're comfortable with it, and their needs are being met by our teams. So I think a lot of the communication we, you know, as projects of these large projects that we do, we have a lot of deliverables that are written documents. So we do a lot of writing. We do a lot of writing in terms of business processes. What is your business process going to be like in the future? What are the issues? How are we going to meet those issues in terms of our design? What is the change impact to the organization with what the future state is going to look like? So it's a lot of writing as well. So having a humanities background where, you know, one of my majors was comparative literature and I did a lot of writing, I think helps in that way because you know, I'm able to put together a document that's cohesive and makes sense and tells a story. Definitely. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing so much about your background. I, I want to move in a little bit about what's going on today. The company you're with today, Cherry Road. Could you tell us a little bit about mm -hmm. the company, the background of the company, when and why was it founded and what exactly does Cherry Road do? Yes, of course. So Cherry Road was started in 1983, I believe, so it's almost 40 years old. It's privately owned. It's started by a family, and they're still at the helm of it, in charge of, of the organization. And really what their focus is on is software modernization. So we work and are partners with Oracle. You know, we've done on-premise solutions like PeopleSoft for, for many years, ERP, HCM, EPM implementations. We are in the cloud space for the past, you know, I don't know, six, seven years, focused on cloud implementations. We do app support. So we have a managed services group as well. So we have a team that does consulting implementations. We have a managed services group that does app support. So a lot of our projects, once they go live with the software, we have a managed service contract with them where we do additional support if they need, if they run into issues, if they need help with upgrades or with the quarterly patches that Oracle brings in with the cloud, we'll be there to support them. Or if they have app support needs, you know, they need a custom report developed or they need something like that, we're there as well. We have hosting clients, so we will have clients that we host in our data center that we provide 24 hours a day hosting and support and making sure that they have availability, disaster recovery, change management, process optimization. So pretty much, you know, anything that you can think of in the ERP world, we do. We are mostly, Cherry Road is mostly in the public sector, I think states counties, cities, school districts. A lot of the implementations have been done by, by Cherry Road. And we're partners, as I said, with Oracle, with Infor, with DocuSign. We have different solutions that we've developed in-house. So once we go onto a client site and we kind of see, you know, there's a need for this type of solution, we don't really see it out there yet. We've worked with a couple of clients and come up with kind of some solutions in-house that would meet their needs. One is for MeWeWeBe. We have a town hall virtual meeting solution that we put out, which was really helpful when, um, you know, COVID hit and a lot of people had to take their life online. A lot of people weren't used to that. I mean, we do that already because we have people all over the country and some abroad. But 
you know, a lot of our clients weren't used to that. So we had a solution that we could share with them. We have another solution that we've put together for data conversion, which is always an issue when we do implementations, you know, because we, there's regulatory compliance that you need to have, you know, history for X number of years where it's really hard to convert it to an ERP system where you have a legacy system that maybe doesn't have the cleanest data, doesn't have the best data, there isn't that relational database where things are validated that you're putting in. And so we've seen there's a struggle there. So let's see if we can come up with a solution that will help. So that's a little bit about Cherry Red. <laughs> Definitely. You mentioned you encapsulated it well with software modernization. And obviously that's a, quite encapsulating. So it seems like over the years, you guys have developed a wide range of expertise, I would imagine. And, and you know, as you mentioned, cloud, Oracle implementations, ERP, you guys have a your own data center. Mm -hmm. So it seems like you guys have expanded quite a bit and gone to a wide range of things. Immediately when you mentioned software modernization, something came to mind for me. I, software modernization is something that kind of always seems to happen. You can modernize today, but then six months later, there's new technologies, new softwares. You kind of might have to adjust some things. Mm -hmm. So the question I want to ask is how can an organization stay modern? You know, I mean, I think going with now, you know, most of the implementations are cloud, right? Oracle cloud. And so with the cloud, it's not like it used to be with on-premise, like PeopleSoft, which I had worked with for many years, where you work with the solution. It's kind of there. You have patches that come in that you can put in yourself and you do your testing and and then every few years, you do kind of a big upgrade, which will then enhance the functionality and you can have new bells and whistles brought in. Well, with the cloud, there's new functionality and patches and things that are pushed out with every release that you can take advantage of. So I think to stay on top of it, you really have to be open to change and to evolve. I think what happens with a lot of organizations, especially when they go through an implementation, because it can be painful and it takes time, right? It's not something that you can do with a snap of a finger. You really have to invest the time the resource and the money into coming up with these ERP implementations. And once you go live, a lot of times people think they're done. They're like, okay, we're live. We have the system. We can now, you know, do what we need to. And we have workflow in the system. We don't need paper anymore. And, you know, we have these things that we didn't have anymore, which is great. But then again, you know, with each one of these releases that Oracle brings out, you have new functionality that you can take advantage of and you can choose not to turn them on. But a lot of times, you know, if you want to stay on top of it and enhance your investment, then you do need to continue to read the release notes, understand what that impact is to your system. How would that change your business process and then spend the time and energy to test it Make sure that the solution will work for you and evolve. Do a little bit of training if you need to so that your staff knows how things are changing and just continue to evolve with the software. That's definitely good advice. I now want to ask about, since Cherry Road and you yourself do a lot of work in the public sector, how is that different than doing work in the private sector? You know, I mean, most of my life, my career has been in the public sector. So when I first started, I had a few years where we did private sector. So majority of what I know is public sector. So it's not that I know any different, but things... I think in the public sector, change management is very, very important. When you are changing an organization, when someone's job responsibilities are changing, especially when there's potentially unions involved, 
It's not that you can just say, you know what, I'm taking this responsibility away from this group and giving it to this group. It takes a lot more discussion than that. You got to make sure that all of the groups are in agreement with it. They understand how their roles are changing, how their responsibilities are changing. If there's wording and union contracts that needs to be considered, we have to make sure that's clear and taken into consideration and that people are trained appropriately to take on these new responsibilities because their jobs are changing. So I think change management, communication, making sure that people are aware of the change, they're comfortable with it, they're trained so that they can continue to do their job and that it's going to be different in the future, but they can continue to do their job going forward. You can't just say, oh, you know what, we're now so much more efficient, we're going to take this group that was 10 people and just reduce it to five people because we don't need them anymore. I think you have to think about what happens to the rest of the organization and how could they now be involved in other things and retrain so that they can move into a different discipline. I see. I want to ask another question about that change management. It seems like what you mentioned is, you know, managing change, which is typically, you know, organizational change, restructuring organizations and so on. What does software have to do with all that? How can softwares be used to help manage change? You know, I mean, I think change management is very integral part of the project and our methodology. Technology is, you know, people think of ERP projects as technology projects. They're really not fully technology projects. Technology is a factor of it, but it's really a people and process change, mostly people, right? Because especially in the public sector, people who've been doing their job for 30 years, they've been using this legacy system that's homegrown. They've been able to modify it to do the quirky little things that they need it to do. And they've been doing it for 30 years. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, I know you love your paper and you have thousands of pages for everything, but we're not going to have paper anymore. You're going to have automatic workflow in the system, which will capture when someone approves it and, you know, will send out a notification and you'll have these documents that you'll be able to store online and you don't need to have five for them and things like that. And things will be more efficient for you in some ways. In other ways, they're used to doing things exactly the way they're used to doing it for 30 years. So change is very, very, very hard for them. It's scary. How is my job going to change? And they automatically think it's going to be more difficult. It's going to make my life more difficult. I don't like it. And really, with these implementations, you have technology that is there to make your life easier, to streamline it. You have built in best practices that have, you know, been built based off of hundreds and thousands of clients and experience, but everyone does things slightly different. And so you got to make sure you understand what that slightly different is so that you accommodate it for them. And the change management component of it is just making sure and communicating everything that's happening so that when we start these projects that could be a year, a year and a half, it's very hard to see the end, the big picture. Everyone knows what their life is like today. It's very hard for them to understand what is my life going to be, a day in my life going to be like in the future, and how is that going to change? How is this going to impact me as a person doing my job, but also as an employee, right? How will I see my paycheck or how will I be able to change my withholding or whatever it is? And so 
I think the importance of change management is to make sure that they understand what are the goals for the stakeholders? What is it that you really as an organization want to get out of this ERP implementation? What is it that you want to have at the end of this? And to make sure that what we're doing aligns with that so that we're meeting your requirements. I think there's like the minute requirements of the vendor should be able to do this, the software should be able to do that, and that's technology. But really, what are the goals of the organization? Do you want to eliminate paper? Do you want to become more efficient? Do you want to allow your vendors to go online and be able to do things versus call you? What is it that you want, and how does that align with what we're doing in terms of the implementation and the technology? and then picking out things within the technology that we're doing and communicating that out. You know, they have our change management team has deliverables as well, where they talk about organizational readiness and communication. They have a whole communication plan where there's multiple different channels of communicating with different people within the organization. So they understand what's happening in the project. They understand the change that's happening within their daily life, a training plan. So they understand when they're going to be trained so they can use the new system. And then once the software is actually designed and you understand what your future state, your 2B is going to look like, what is the impact to the organization, right? So how is my job going to change? How is the organization going to change? What is the impact? And communicating that out and having that transparency, because I think a lot of the fear of the unknown, you know, causes them to be hesitant to use the software. They're like, oh, I don't like it. It's going to make my life more difficult. It's out of the fear of the unknown, which is just a human nature, right? When change is always hard for people and when you don't know what that change is, it's even more scary. But the more you know about it and the more you're reassured and the more we're transparent, like, hey, 99% of the stuff, your life is going to be easier. This one thing, you know, your life might not be easier, but we're working on it. I think just being honest and transparent and just communicating it out so that people are aware and have an understanding. And it's not like this black hole of, you know, this team, this ERP team is working on something and they're working, working, working frantically. And then in a year we go live and boom, their whole life is different. And they're like, what happened? Why didn't you ask for my input? And this way, if they're along the journey with you, then they're more likely to adapt to it and maybe like it. Definitely. Thanks for sharing all that. I see how, how complex it becomes. And there's so many parties that at the table. Yeah. I can imagine your communication and writing skills and uh, your background really comes into play, managing all those demands and managing the clients, managing all the stakeholders. Very interesting. Uh-huh. I want to ask, in your years of doing this, do you have any really cool uh, like modernization stories or really interesting stories about client engagements that you can share? Let me think. I mean, really cool stories. I mean, I think with pretty much all of my clients, I've had great relationships and keep in touch. I think a fun story for one of my earlier projects was for the state of North Dakota. We did their PeopleSoft implementation and we had three different groups all over the state. And I was in Bismarck, North Dakota, and we had people in Fargo and Grand Forks. And it was really one of my 
favorite projects and one of the best clients I've ever had. You know, they were really fully engaged. They wanted to do the work. They wanted us to kind of guide them, but they wanted to do the work and they were really into it and really into the detail. And they did a great job and were really successful. But, you know, it was probably the coldest place I've ever been to in my entire life. And I live in Chicago, but I can tell you it's like North Dakota is the coldest place. I did join a curling team. So I learned how to curl on that project, which was pretty cool. But yeah, we have continued to work with them. I just managed a project for the state, for DHS. One of the state agencies just implemented PBCS solution that went live last year. And then they continue to have a managed service agreement with them for support. We did an additional ad hoc piece to the PBCS implementation for their grants. And so we've continued to have a great relationship and partnership that began, you know, 15 years ago, really. I see. Interesting. I would imagine that you never imagined learning how to curl <laughs> you know, working, working it's actually pretty that, hard. It's harder than it seems. Yeah. I think just <laughs> when you're like brooming and like walking on the ice at the same time, you know, and there's a whole art to, you know, getting the, I forget what it's called, the stone or whatever, curving it a certain way. I mean, I was obviously never very good and, you know, didn't <laughs> take it that seriously, but it was fun. <laughs> Something different. Cool. cool. Yeah. Nezla, I want to ask back to software modernizations again. When you go into a client project for some kind of software modernization, is there some kind of like overarching framework or methodology or philosophy that you can always apply? Or is every case just so different that it's like a custom built solution every time? No, I think that there's definitely a methodology that you can apply. I think each client has very specific requirements that maybe will change things slightly. But, you know, everyone hire someone to an organization, you need certain basic information, right, to be able to hire someone, enroll them in benefits, and pay them. Same with on the finance side, you have to add a vendor, and then you pay the vendor. So the business processes themselves are what they are, their business processes. I think that when you start an engagement, you really have to understand the requirements. And I know like a lot of our projects, when we go through the process and we are selected and we put together a statement of work, you know, our statement of works come with what we call a requirements traceability matrix, which is all of the requirements that we need to meet for the client that we agree to, right? And it's usually like the ability to do this, ability to do that. It's at a granular level. There's thousands of requirements in this. And so that's a starting point for us. Our methodology, I think, especially with the cloud, has evolved a little bit. It was kind of a mix of agile with waterfall. We've evolved it a little bit from some of the lessons learned. I think, you know, what we were doing was an iterative approach to these conference room pilots where we were showing some functionality and configuring, taking requirements and then fine tuning it into the next conference room pilot. And I think, you know, it was hard for clients to understand the end product, right? When they see a solution, but it's like 30% of it, they don't really understand what does that mean? Like, what is my business process? Like, what does that mean to me? Like, how will I do this in the future, right? It's hard for them to do this iterative thing, whereas they're like, I want to see this. And you're like, well, we're going to show you that. That's a bell and whistle. They'll come in CRP3. And they're like, but I want to see the whole thing together. So it isn't until they are in, you 
know, system integration test or further along in the project where they're actually in there clicking away and doing things and they're like, oh, I get it. And the lights turn on. So I think one of the lessons learned was really focusing on having it be more business process centric, right? Because everyone understands that wording versus the technology of this is what, you know, meets this requirement. Can the technology do this? Let me show you all the bells and whistles that can come with Oracle and what it can do. Instead of talking about technology, it's let's talk more about the business process. Tell me how you currently do this business process today. Tell me how you currently pay a vendor. What is it that you currently do? What is the pain points to it? End to end. Do you have reports? Do you have forms? You know, what do you not like out of it? What is your wish list for it? Let's go through the requirements traceability and really understand it. To spend that time to understand the current state, what they do, everything end to end that's encompassed to it and the pain points, and then start talking about technology and having them understand what the technology can do for them in the future. You know, like, hey, this is what you currently do today. You're going to be doing this with an Oracle, and this is what Oracle can do to make your life easier. And this form that you used to have, you know, vendors can now go online and fill out their address, change information themselves, or whatever it is that they want to do. Having those types of conversations, but having it start with the business process and what they're familiar with and then growing from that and bringing in the technology and having them go in sooner. I think one of the things that I'm really passionate about and I speak a lot about within Cherry Road is for the client to be successful, for them to really like go live and to be able to function and be able to support themselves. I mean, of course, we're always there. They can come to us with questions, but for them to really, in my mind, be successful, they really have to be engaged. They have to participate. So have these conversations. Don't just give me your requirements and like give me your 200 reports that you want to replicate because we don't want to replicate your 200 reports. Your 200 reports will probably end up being four reports in the new system because we can consolidate it and then you can have one report replace 20 reports and maybe dice the information differently using this online tool um, or scorecards or whatever that are in, in the system views. And so let's engage, let's participate so that we're designing and building it together and let them get into the application as soon as possible and do some of the configuration, do some of this business process validation earlier on than when they get into testing so that they understand how the system is built. Like when I first started working with ERP, that's really how I learned. You know, I took classes and, but the best way to really learn is get in there and try it, you know, get in there and make mistakes and see what happens when you make mistakes and then figure out how to fix it. And I think that's something that I think is really important to do earlier on versus, you know, have us do everything. You get into testing, you go through your test scripts. Ideally, everything works perfectly. Boom, you go live. But for you to really learn it, you really have to be in there making mistakes and trying to figure out how to do things so that when open enrollment comes next year and you're like, I need to change my benefit rates and hey, I have a new plan and I need this, you understand what that means in terms of configuration. And you can either do it yourself or you get us to do it, but you understand the design and you can be a part of that design. Yeah, that's quite interesting. Thanks for going into that detail. I guess like the mindset would be understand what 
their business processes are, mm -hmm. what are they actually doing? And then once you really understand that, you can figure out how to incorporate technology in order to automate or streamline those processes. Is that more or less exactly. it? Yeah, Very that's cool. more or less it. Yeah. You know, you ha everything is business process centric. I mean, everyone has to pay employees, right? So everyone has to pay vendors. I mean, these business processes are standard across organizations. It's just that they might have different requirements and do things slightly differently. So let's figure out what that is and how the technology can help you get to where you want to be. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Keeping it business process centric. Cool. Nazwa, the next question I want to ask is more of a prediction question. Well, actually, first, I want to ask if there's any uh, cool developments upcoming for Cherry Road, or any grand plans for the future. And then, you know, maybe any cool predictions that you might have for the world of technology. Something that came to mind is that it seems to me like every week, there's 10 or 20 new softwares I need to know about. How do you stay on top of that? And how do you think in the future, that's going to be with this kind of this uh, overwhelming amount of softwares on the market. How do you manage all of those and consider all of those? You know, honestly, I mean, I think that you're right. There's tons of different softwares. We honestly mostly focus on the Oracle applications and ERP. I think ERP at that level, it's hard to have a software that's just developed be implemented at a state. It's just not robust enough, right? So within states, school districts, county, I mean, these are like you're paying thousands and thousands of people and there's so many requirements and things that are intrinsic to the way they do it. So I think it's harder to have a new software come about. When you have applications like Oracle that's really taken the best of PeopleSoft and JD Edwards and eBusiness and then put it all together in the cloud and now they don't have have to buy the hardware and all of the things that go on with the on-premise. I mean, I think the cloud is really where people are going to focus on because in some ways it does make their life much easier. They don't need to have that investment of people in terms of maintaining it. I think, though, what I would like to see, especially for our Cherry Road projects, is to have that kind of partnership with our clients to make sure that they're engaged from the beginning in terms of the design all the way through to the end so that they can, once they are live, continue to evolve like we talked about, this whole software modernization. The idea of you go live, you've spent a year of your time in this solution, you are now live, and then boom, you're going to be the same for the next 30 years is probably not the best use of your investments. But if you have the tools in place because you participated in the implementation and you understand what goes into it and you have a partner that you've worked with that you trust, then as the new functionality, as things continue to evolve with the software that's constantly coming out to you, you can continue to evolve in terms of your business processes and organization and take advantage of that. And that's what's exciting. You don't have to wait five years or 10 years and then do like a big upgrade project. You can have this evolve every few months or at whatever frequency you're comfortable with. But to do that, you really have to have the knowledge of how to take advantage of it. Definitely. Very cool. Now, because I asked this and then I asked another question. So yeah. the previous question was, any big plans for Cherry Road? Any grand plans or strategies that you can share with us? 
You know, I know that Cherry Road is always evolving and looking at different opportunities just within partnerships that we have, but also technologies that we can come up with. We have a lot of people that are really innovative and just, I think we have a whole like a little group of people that are always coming up with new solutions and technologies. And every time we get on a call, it's like they're something else that they're introducing. You know what? I mean, the only other thing I would say is what I've seen over time. When I first started in the field, I think being kind of a woman was more of a minority. It was more of a male-dominated field. But I think that that's changed, and it's really nice. Like I see now, at least within Cherry Road, a lot more women in terms of taking leadership, project management, and just really being engaged at the executive level, but also being parts of projects on the technical side, on the functional side, and the project management side. So I think it's something that's evolved, which is, I think, really great. I mean, I think that people have this thought process of, hey, I have to study computer science to go into this field. And I think that's not the case. I mean, you definitely need certain skill sets to be able to do it. But I think that you can have a different kind of background and still get into the field. That's awesome. Well, Nazgul, that's all the questions I have. Thank you so much for being here. This uh, This has been an awesome conversation. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Have a good day. We hope you found some value in this episode of Life in the Cloud. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. You can continue the conversation with us on LinkedIn by tagging Chris Reddy, at Chris-Reddy. That's at K-R-I-S-R-E-D-D-Y in a comment or by sending a direct message. We look forward to hearing from you.